All right. Guys, who can tell me who Harvey Ball is? Anybody? Maybe some of you older guys. Anybody know who Harvey Ball is? He's real important in y'all's lives. Y'all just don't know it. Harvey Ball is the innovator of the first emoji. Over 50 years ago. There it is. The very first one. (laughs) And so today, the myth that we're going to look at is the pursuit of happiness. And so we've got questions on the table. We're going to do the first question first. And I want you guys to talk at your table and talk about what makes you happy. Now, don't give the church answer. Just give, be honest. Because I tell you, what makes me happy is Shipley's Donuts. Even better than that is hot Shipley's Donuts. So y'all talk. We've got a few minutes. And while you're doing that, I'll play a little song. table. What makes y'all happy? Well, we got to hear. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. People make us happy. Huh? People make us happy. Table in the back. Patty's table. What makes y'all happy? Huh? What? Oh, okay. Huh? Say it loud. Okay. I'm scared to ask this table, but go ahead. Food, all right. All right. Back there at the table behind them, what makes y'all happy? Huh? Animals, okay. All right, so today we're going to talk about um, the pursuit of happiness. First, you know, what is happiness? The definition is feeling or showing pleasure or contentment. So all these things y'all brought up bring y'all a feeling of contentment or, or showing pleasure. Now one thing about happy 
is, is it permanent? It's very temporary, isn't it? It can change very, very quickly. I mean, your team may be winning in the first half and you're happy as can be, but by the end of the game, you may be sad. So happy is only temporary. And so in keeping with kind of the outline that Dave used last week, um, we're going to have the, the, the three different levels of this, the longing, the lie, and the light. And, um, and so we have the longing. Now, in us, we have this innate desire to make things right. And we do, we do this, we think that we use these things to make us happy. It's going to make things right. And the Bible talks about this in Romans 8, and 23. It says that we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Now, this tell, the Bible tells us that not, not just us wants things to be right, all of creation. Because when there was sin in the garden, it kind of just messed everything up. And we have this longing, this desire for things to be back like they were. And our, and our worldly mind in the world is, is from these outside circumstances or influences that are going to make this right. So we, we come to the lie, and what, what is the lie that the world tells us? And I think what spells it out the best is this right here. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So we as Americans especially, we feel like, we have the right to be happy. And according to our Declaration of Independence, this is a God-given right. But, but is that so? I mean, it says that, that, that by our Creator, we're given the right to, to live. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible, Romans 3.23 says we're all sinners. And then Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin are death. Death's opposite of life. So we're not given that right. Freedom. All through the history of God's people in Israel, they were in bondage all the time. And because it was because of their sin. Now, God does tell us that we can be free from that bondage of sin, but it's not that right because of who we are. And finally, the pursuit of happiness. Um, nowhere in the Bible... Are we given this right to pursue our own happiness? It's quite the opposite. Dave spoke last week and about that we're required to, to die to ourselves and we're required to sacrifice. I mean, that doesn't sound like pursuit of happiness to me. Um, when the Constitution was, or, or the Declaration was being written, Thomas Jefferson wrote this. And a lot of scholars, it went back and forth. They were changing it. Instead of pursuit of happiness, some of them wanted to put pursuit of property because in that day, property is what made them happy. 
the ownership of this property. And that's not given, that right's not given to us in the Bible either. Back in, in the biblical times, they had this thing called the year of Jubilee. And in that time, all land was to be given back to the rightful owner. And so we're not given that right. But then Thomas Jefferson prevailed and they put pursuit of happiness. Now, one thing about Thomas Jefferson is he was an Epicurean. Anybody know what that is? Philosophy. It was started back um, like 300 B.C. And the philosophy of the Epicureans, they don't believe in any kind of divine intervention. And also what, what they strive for is what makes them happy is good. And they're very materialistic. And so Thomas Jefferson wrote this, but this is not a God-given right. Um, and we, you know, at y'all's table, you talked about what makes you happy, and, and we seek outside sources for our happiness, don't we? Last week, Dave talked about shopping and how shopping makes us happy. I'm sure it makes a lot of you girls happy. I don't know about guys. Um, money makes us happy, right? How about a car? How many of y'all want a car? That make you happy? How many of you have a car? How, would, how many of you would like to have a newer car or a faster car or a bigger car or a smaller car or a different color car or a car with a convertible top? A lot of us look for our happiness in someone else. And a guy, if I could just find, if that guy would just ask me out or if that girl would just go out with me, then I would be happy. Some of us, if we were shorter, we'd be happy. If we were taller, bigger, smaller, if I just got more recognition for what I was doing, I would be happy. Adults, you know, if I had a bigger house, or maybe all your kids are going, you want a smaller house, I'd be happy. Maybe if we had more kids, maybe if we had less kids. If I was a blonde, brunette, redhead, I'd be happy. I'd just be happy with some hair. You go, you go to work as an adult and you want to be successful and you think, if I could just be a, a success, then I would be happy. If I had the right job, if I could just get that promotion and get that position, if I had the, the power to do these things, then I would be happy. College, you know, if, if I could just get in the right college. I know some of you older kids are thinking about that right now. If I could get in this college, then I would be happy. If I could... If I could get in college, my parents would be happy. And so these, all these outside sources, and, and we're looking for bigger, better, more, more. We're always looking for someone or something to make us happy. What about advertisers? We're bombarded. What's this place called? The happy place. Now, Patty and Logan just came back from there while some of the rest of us were doing God's work and all spiritual and everything, they were at the happy place. How happy was it? It wasn't so happy. It wasn't all it was cut out to be. Ephesians 4.19, Dave brought this verse up. It's like I thought Dave was going to do my whole lesson before he got through last week. Ephesians 4.19 says, Having lost all sensitivity... They've given themselves over to sensuality 
as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. And so the Bible is very clear that our greed um, for this worldly kind of happiness, these outside things, it, it causes us to indulge in all kinds of sins. We're envious, covetousness, um, adultery, stealing, all these different things, and, and it causes us to move away from God instead of closer to God. What about Solomon? I mean, he was the wisest man in the Bible, right? Had 700 wives, 300 concubines. Any of you guys that are out here that are married, they'll tell you that's not happening. He was the richest man ever in the world. You know what his wealth would be worth today? $2.1 trillion. But yet, in his search for greed and power and, and wealth, it led to him worshiping idols. We have the whole book of Ecclesiastes that records his failure and his unhappiness. I mean, here's this guy that you would think had everything. What about this dude? Y'all know who this is? Ebenezer Scrooge. I mean, he's the epitome of unhappiness, right? And greed. Never thought of the less fortunate or the poor or anyone but himself and just wanted more, more, more. Any of y'all that have seen the play or read the book, One time, he was a different person, and he was engaged to be married to a girl. And there's a part in the book where where she tells him, says, you've changed. You're no longer the man that I used to know. This greed has overtaken you. Now, this guy, he's the polar opposite. This is Fezziwig from the same story. He cared about others. He shared his good fortune. He opened his home to others, and he had great joy. And we'll show you a little video clip. Uh, the clip's about 10 years old. Y'all recognize the guy. He's gone on to even more and better, greater things. But y'all watch the video clip and really watch the end of it, what he says at the end. Tom Brady, the quarterback of the New England Patriots, is not only one of the NFL's best players, he's one of the NFL's great stories. At the tender age of 30, he has already won three Super Bowls, an accomplishment that ranks him with some of the best quarterbacks ever to play the game. And he's having one of the greatest seasons in pro football history. When we first reported on him back in 2005, he seemed underrated and almost overlooked. He doesn't have the arm of Peyton Manning, and he doesn't have tattoos, and he doesn't take steroids, and he's never held out for more money. All he knows how to do is win. Just what you always wanted. <laughs> You're right. You're right. It has. And I didn't think it came with all the other baggage, though. In addition to his success on the field and his sex appeal off it, there is also the $60 million 10-year contract to play with the Patriots. I mean, I'm making more money now than I ever thought I could ever make playing football. <laughs> but with all that money, fame, and career accomplishments, we were surprised to hear this from him. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and and still think there's something greater out there for me. I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is... Me, I thank God. It's gotta be more than this. What's the answer? I wish I knew. 
I wish I knew. Did you hear that? This is the man. He now has five Super Bowl rings. Has the money he can buy anything that the world offers. Supermodel wife. Mansions. Has everything that the world sees as, as success and to be happy. And what does he say? God, there's got to be more than this. He's still searching. He's still longing. We never satisfy our longing with outside circumstances. Our joy can only come from within. In the, uh, the book that these myths came out of, there's a story in there about uh, in the 1800s, guys trying to reach the North Pole. Now, it was thought that the North Pole was surrounded by water, that there was a sea. And so explorers thought that they could sail to it. Well, the first one goes out, and he gets there, and he hits ice, of course. And um, so they come back, and they think, and they try and figure it out. And so they decide that there's just this ring of ice, and once you break through that, then you get into water, you just sail on to the North Pole. And so their, their idea was that, you know, this is what the, the minds of the world thought at that time. We're going to break through this ice. We're going to go to the North Pole. So this group gets on the ship. They go through. They struggle. In the 1800s, they didn't have big icebreakers or anything. They really work and get through this ice and get over into maybe a little bit of water. But what they realize is there's no sea to the uh, North Pole. It's all ice. They get trapped when winter comes and frozen in and most of the crew die out there and so following what the world view was they and what where they thought they were going they wound up um in a deadly circumstance what about gps we see stories all the time people follow their gps and wind up uh, it drove off into the ocean or into a lake or something my oldest son just got through paying a ticket because he followed his GPS to this place he was trying to get to and crossed the double line because the GPS thing did, and a cop gave him a ticket for crossing the double white line. So the, the world's map can lead us th- into things that we don't want to be part of. What about churches, church people? We get caught in this same trap too. Um, The preacher preaches too long. I'm not going to go to that church. Or the music's too loud. Or how about this? This is a classic example. Um, You ask somebody to come to church, well, do y'all do traditional music or do you do contemporary music? Some churches, they have two services. So one for traditional music, one for contemporary, so that they can keep everybody happy. Um. I'll show you this. This is a map of Stillhouse Lake. All right. This spot right there, that's a, a boat ramp right there. That little spot right there, that's, that's a marina. And in that marina is a restaurant. And in it, they serve like the best burgers in Bell County. And so a lot of times we used to put the boat in here and we would drive around and we'd go to this marina and we'd eat burgers for dinner. And... We would come back in the dark, and so it was kind of hard to do. We had to take our time, and going slow in the boat's not what I like to do. It doesn't make me happy. I like to go fast. And so I thought, well, I'm going to get this little GPS thing. 
And so we did, and it made this little, this little map right there. And so all I had to do now is follow that thing, right? Easy enough. So my map is laid out, and I'm going to be happy when we get back to the boat ramp. And so I take off, and here we go. And like I said, I like to go fast. And when I go fast, I can't stay on that track. And so I do this weaving thing. Well, the problem is right in here is a bunch of trees. And right in here, it's all shallow water. And so when I'd go fast, I'd get over here, and next thing I know, we'd be up in the trees. And when we get in the trees, Patty's not happy. And so what I realized is if I put this in the context of God's plan for my life, is that I see what the path is. Now, I'll take over God, and, and I try and go fast, and I get ahead, and I get ahead of God, and I get off, this, off the path, and before you know it, I'm over in the trees, and I'm all banged up, or I've run aground. Now, many of us are like this, of us Christians. We, we have this path, and we, we're, we're different places. Maybe this is your path from over here, you got to come around this way. Now, this is probably Dave's pass. It's just short and straight, you know, because he's a preacher. He's got it easy. He only works two days a week, right? So he's got an easy path. But I know people that, that they're, they're out here, and I call them NASCAR Christians. And the reason I call them that is because you ask them to help you do something. Hey, come, come help us. We, this person needs some help. Well, i got to pray about it. And so they're always turning left, like this. Never get anywhere. They stay out here all the time. Well, I just don't know if I'm called to do that or not. Let me pray about it. Just in circles, right there, all the time. And maybe some of you, you're out here, you don't know what God's path is for you yet. And you just, you're adrift, You think, if I only knew what God wanted me to do, if I only knew which college God wanted me to go to, then I could be happy. And the thing about it is, it doesn't matter to God what college you go to. It matters who you are when you go to that college. Or what about your mate? You know, I'm looking for that mate that God has set aside just for me. He's planned this just for me. And I just got to find that person that God has set aside for me so that I can be happy then. You're still setting yourself up for these outside circumstances, right? Because I don't think God works like that because he puts that in our hands. We're gonna, I need some, some volunteers. I need like a senior guy and a senior girl. Anybody? We have any seniors here? Or anybody? Okay, you come on up. I need a girl. Come on. No, I, need, I need four guys, three girls. Come on. One, two, three. One more guy. One of you from this table, not heads. Two more girls. Two more girls. I'm going to pick somebody. Those two right here. Pick these two. Those two. Okay, you two, come on. Wait, wait, I got one girl here coming. Come on. One of you guys. All right, Ben, you're, you, I'll pick you. Come on, Ben. All right, slide on around. All right, so 
if that, if that was the case, if God has these people picked out for us, so say this, two, this couple right here is a couple that God picked out, right? Y'all get over there close to each other. Okay, then these two are a couple. There's actually no good way for this to work. What have you done to me, Gino? You're, these two are a couple. This makes so much sense. Okay, you come over here. You stand over there. Go stand at the corner. All right. So all this works, right? All they've got to do is find each other. They're in high school. They found each other. Everything's cool. But here's what happens. Ben looks across the cafeteria. He sees her eating her mac and cheese. Come on, Ben. He says, I got to meet that girl. Come over. Look at her, look her in the eye. She, he looks her in the eye. She smiles at him. She's got that little piece of pepper stuck between her teeth. Ben smiles. He's got that little piece of pepper stuck between her teeth. It's a match made in heaven. So he, he takes her. They go. Live happily ever after. Y'all go now. Y'all go. I have a wedding present. Easy Mac. It's all good. Except for one thing. If this was God's plan, Christopher doesn't have anybody. Right? She's left without anybody. She's upset, crying. Christopher, being the great guy that he is, he thinks, well, I'm going to console her. And so he goes over. He consoles her. And so she's needy. She needs somebody. Christopher needs to be needed. So it works out. It works out. They go. I've married you like twice now, right? So they go and take off, live happily ever after. Here, a wedding present. Y'all going to need this. She's needy. You're going to need the Kleenexes. Now we have this couple right here. All's good. What about him? This is the bad boy. All right? So everything's good. Now it's time for the way. And so he hears that all the pretty girls go to TBC and they're all going to be at the way, right? So he goes with his buddies. She's at the way. She looks across the way. And there she sees the bad boy. (laughs) Being the missionary that she is, thinks, I can save him. Take off. And so she gets with him, leaves him, this guy that God supposedly had planned for her, and takes off. I got a wedding present for them. Except there's no wedding in this future. He's a bad boy. He won't marry her. So for the next 10 years, she drives the VW bus and drives their garage band around to all their gigs. And they finally hit a big number one song. He dumps her for the... uh, uh, young girl in the audience, she'll need a lot of Kleenexes, so she take the big row. And what about this guy? He's left holding the bag. All right, thank you, sir. So you see, if, if that was the case, God's plan was messed up by a thing of Easy Mac. Now, why would God put that in our hands? And he doesn't. Because his, one word of advice, guys, don't look them in the eye. 
Because when you look them in the eye and they smile at you, you're just stupid then. Because I've been married for 30 years. Patty was six when we married. And this whole time, I cannot look her in the eye because if she smiles at me, I'll be stupid. And, and this is all over with. So y'all just remember that. And so God's plan is for us to be what he says we're supposed to be in the Bible. We're to be the, right, the, the child that he says to be. We're to be the parent. We're to be that husband or that wife. It doesn't matter who we're married to. He does tell us not to be unequally yoked to each other. So we have the one couple, they messed up royally. But he can even use that sometimes. But that's, and so as Christians, sometimes we get caught up in what, what we think is the path, but it's really just created by the world because we're dependent on those outside circumstances. And so that's going to bring us to the light, the gospel. What, is, what does the light say? The light says that gospel can bring us true joy. Joy is more than just a temporary emotion like happiness. It's like a way of life. It's all these things all put together. It's these kids, this is joy. School's out. They're playing in the water. They don't have, they don't have to worry where supper's coming from. They don't have to worry about, well, will I have clothes to wear tomorrow? Somebody else is work, looking after that for them. It's just pure joy. Here, the baby, that's happy. The mama, that's joy. Because you know what's going to happen? Baby's wearing the last diaper. So mom and the baby are going to Walmart to get some more. And 30 minutes later, the baby just pooped his pants for the third time in the last hour. So baby's not happy no more. Mama, she's not happy. Because, you know, it's done going up the back, all over the car seat, the whole bit. And she's got no diapers because they're in Walmart. She's not happy, but she's, joy- she's full of joy because she- that's her baby. Joy is when we go to, the fu- to a funeral of a person who's a believer and we can laugh. And, and there's great joy because we know we're going to see them again. Bible in Ephesians 4, 24, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And we're to put this old self off in our pursuit and, and to put off our, our pursuit of our own selfish, corrupted desires for happiness and become this new self that God created us for. And this is the beginning of being what he created back there in Adam and Eve, in the garden, before the fall. And guys, I told you about looking her in the eye. Look what happened to Adam. You know, she took a bite of the apple. She looked him in the eye, smiled. Here, Adam, take a bite. And we're paying for it still. And... Happiness doesn't appear in the Bible. 
Um, there's, um, back up. The uh, words that, that best um, translate into happiness in the Old Testament, it's a word, um, ashir. New Testament, uh, makaros. And the best translation into English is blessed. Um, that's the closest thing that we can get to the Bible using the word happiness. And here it says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Of, God, of heaven. Persecuted? That doesn't sound like happiness to me. But this is God's, God's definition. Blessed is the one who, do, who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the com- company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields fruit in its season and who leaves do not wither, whatever they do prospers. And so, we're to center our delight on the desires of God. Um, Psalms 107.9, it says, For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Think about the woman at the well. She's thirsty. And we know about her life. So she had five husbands. She'd sought the way of the world. And here God tells her, look, I'm the living water. I can satisfy this thirst. I can satisfy this longing. One of the authors that I read while um, studying for this lesson calls this verse here the most dangerous verse in the Bible. It says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalms 37, 4. Oh, man, I like that. So if I delight in the Lord, then I can have that new red sports car, right? No, that's not what it's saying. This, this verse was written to the kings of Israel, and the, and the desire of a king and his kingdom is for there to be peace uh, throughout his country and for his, for his country to do well. Um, think about Paul. Who delighted in the Lord more than Paul? And he writes in 2 Corinthians, 2, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 10, I delight in weakness and in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties, for when I'm re- weak, I'm strong. So Paul, I mean, nobody delighted in the Lord more than him. But yet, he was persecuted, he was jailed, he was shipwrecked, he was beaten. Um, this is uh, Tim Keller says this is a classic sermon of his the search for happiness Tim Keller says here's the irony the less you're concerned about your happiness and the more you're concerned about him meaning God the happier you get it's not a trick you can't say oh um, uh, you can't say oh great I have it I come to God and I say this and this. You can't bandy with omnipotent and omniscient Lord of the universe. Aim at heaven and you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither. And so it's not a let's make a deal kind of thing. Okay, God, I'm happy in you. I delight in you. So now give me these things. No, this is a way of life. This is, this is, 
this joy is not a temporary thing. It begins with your salvation, and it just increases as you learn to live more and more like he has planned. The Bible tells us in Psalm 1611, You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. 1 Peter 1, 8-9 Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The uh, King James Version there says, instead of inexpressible and glorious joy, it says unspeakable joy. Joy so great that you, the words can't even express it. And you see, the salvation of our soul, this is the ultimate joy. God's redemption restores us and makes things as they should be to satisfy that innate longing that we are born with. Bible scholar Jonathan Pennington writes, In the biblical sense of Asherah, Makaros, blessed or happiness, True human flourishing and well-being can only be found in relationship with God and through alignment with his coming kingdom. That is, while it is important that we realize that this happiness or casting a a vision of human flourishing, it is equally important to see that this flourishing can never occur fully apart from a proper relationship with the creator God. Although the Bible's vision of human flourishing both now and in the age to come either assumes or explicitly states this fact. Read what's underlined there. This flourishing can never occur fully apart from a proper relationship with God. That's the gospel. And this life like this, it's not a life of balance. You hear this all the time. I need to have a life of balance. It's not balanced. It wasn't balanced when Christ came. He gave everything. And God's not asking for you to have a balanced life. He's asking you to give all to Him. And the more we give to Him, the happier we become. Um, Only this relationship with God can give us those three things that we talked about at the beginning. Life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. It's John 14, 6. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible tells us that we can have freedom from that bondage of sin that oppresses us. And, and happiness, our joy, only salvation can bring and make things right as he intended things to be and feel this longing that exists in all of us. We can only have this relationship with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Now, I don't know where you stand with that, whether you have this relationship, whether you even began this journey yet of joy. If you haven't, you can come and talk to me, come and talk to to Dave or any of these adults or your friends. And, And you can begin this journey. You can begin this journey towards true joy and true happiness that's not based on outside circumstances like the world wants you to believe, but through a true relationship with God. We're going to pray, and you've got some questions you can go over on the uh, table there.
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity uh, to open your word and study. And Lord, I pray that that all of us here in this room, Lord, I know myself, I, I, so many times my happiness depends on outside things. And, and Lord, I pray that I will just lean towards you and work towards uh, improving that relationship I have with you and towards that joy that you want us all to have. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.